Man, can you believe another year is gone? Wow. I don't know about y'all, but the older I get, the faster it goes. I'm motivated this morning. Uh, I guess I guess it's my business background that 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 motivates me uh, with this message today, because this is always the time of year you kind of do reflection. You know, you do it in your families, I guess, <clears throat> and. Um, and you kind of move into a new season, a new year. How, how many of you are glad the Lord gives you new seasons? I mean, I, I, just, I just love the seasons. I love living in this area because the seasons, you know, they, they change. But what, what, I, what I love is, what I love about the spring, uh, of course, we're in winter, but I, I'm looking forward to the spring. But, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the Lord always picks up where he left off. You know, a tree doesn't go back to a... To, to a small tree, a, a large mature tree starts in that maturity place and, 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 and then blossoms again. I love that, that you can go from place to place to place as you mature and God will start with you in that place. And so don't expect to start in the same place that you've started in the past. I hope, I hope you're mo moving forward. There's a couple of scriptures that come to mind as we, as we think about moving forward into a new year. We think about, uh, you know, uh, having a great 2020. You know, I'm, I'm excited about 2020 around here. It's going to be an incredible year. As you, as you look into that, you know, you think about when God says, uh, you, know, you know, you don't put new wine into, into old wineskins, you know, you put new wine into new wineskins. Well, what does that mean? That, all that really is, is referring to is you've got to have a fresh encounter with God about where you're going. You know, he, he did it all over the place in the Old Testament where, where, you know, what we do is we say, well, God worked like this here and so I'm just going to go act on my own in the future because I've seen the way God did that. And so I'm going to assume he's going to do it that way. And the, and the truth of the matter is God has a fresh set of instructions for every situation you're going to face in 2020. He has a desire for you to depend on him. He, 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 has, he has this this. this no matter where you've been, no matter whether you have a great year or a bad year, he has this renewed vision for you. I want to talk about that. In the business world, you know, the thing that I saw is I saw, I saw people, and you've heard me say this before, but it, it, is, it is because I was in management and because I had people that had to produce, and that's how they got paid based on their production, uh, there was this fight to, to not just be busy. There was, a, there was a fight to not just be busy. And you're going to be inundated with all kind of things that can make you busy in 2020. You, you're not going to lack for busyness in 2020. You're not going to go, well, I don't know what to do today. I mean, life is going to drive you if you don't drive life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you. And what I saw over and over and over and over again is I saw, oftentimes I saw busy people who didn't get paid much money. They were busy, but it just didn't pay much because they weren't willing to do the hard things. They weren't willing to, to do what needed to be done to make them successful. 
They were busy. They were busy doing. They just weren't doing the things that made them successful. And so, and so as we go into this new year, there's not going to be an absence of busyness. It's going to be whether you, you, you drive or you dictate what you're going to do so that you can have a successful 2020. You're either going to let life carry you or you're going to get a vision from God and you're going to do it. And so, and so what I've kind of done today is I've kind of taken some, some of these principles that I've seen that God created with economics. How many of you know that man didn't create economics? You know, that God created all this stuff and this is how it operates and, and see if we can't carry it over into Christendom. One of the stories that I'm reminded of, there's two really. The first one is Elijah. Now I stood on Mount Carmel and I, and I looked over the valley of Armageddon and I was amazed at what I saw. You know what uh, Napoleon said about the valley of Armageddon, it is the greatest valley for the greatest war that's ever going to happen. He knew that this was the site of, of the possibility of, of a great war. And, and Mount Carmel overlooks that valley. And I watched where, Eli or I stood where uh, Elijah uh, called, down, called down heaven and slayed 400 prophets of Baal. And then one many days after that, 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 that the queen, <laughs> King Ahab's wife Jezebel, got after Elijah, and Elijah got scared. How do you get scared after you just had that much success? Because I want you to understand that no matter whether you had a good year or a bad year this last year, it really doesn't matter. The devil still can come after you if you don't get your, if you don't get your fresh vision from God. Because Elijah was in a place where he just had great victory, but he finds himself pounding underneath a, a, a tree. And the Lord says, Elijah, what are you doing? And Elijah then got fresh vision from God and then, and then began to carry out God's plan again. It, it, it's, it was a place that he was totally discouraged in that. So that's the first story. The second story is the story of Jacob. You know, how many of you know the story of Jacob? Jacob is Israel, right? Jacob and Esau were brothers. Jacob's mother was incredibly dysfunctional, which meant that the father had to be dysfunctional as well. Because he let that much dysfunction happen in his house, no matter what. Both were extremely dysfunctional. And what you're going to find in that is that mama was a deceiver and a manipulator. Incredibly so, to the point where he, she got Jacob to, to, to steal Esau's birthright, and Esau gladly gave that birthright up for a pot of stew. Y'all remember this story? But they're, they're, what I want you to see is that when that happens and there is discovery of this deceit, Jacob flees, goes to his mama's brother's house, and guess what his mama's brother does? His mama's brother does. He gives him, he gives him, he doesn't give him the woman he loves, he gives him, the sister, the older sister, first, he deceives Jacob. So deception, you can see, is generational. There's this, there's this family trait of deception. And Jacob's in the middle of it. Matter of fact, Jacob means the surplanter. 
The one who, who comes in and causes destruction and division. That's what Jacob means. And so Jacob goes through this process and, and he, he walks with God and he, he maintains a semblance of integrity and then he, he comes back and, he, and he, he, he makes things right with his brother and he, and he has this encounter with God. And this encounter is this wrestling with God. He wrestles with God, and, and, he, and he wrestles with God, and he wrestles with God all night long. He's wrestling with God. And at the end of the night, God actually dislocates his hip, and, and when he does, Esau, I mean, uh, Jacob says, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not, I, there's, there's this thing you've got to know, God, I'm not leaving you till you bless me. I, I'm going to fight with you, God, till you bless me. We've got to understand that Jacob wasn't wrestling with God because God was his enemy. Jacob was wrestling with God because God was his prize. Now see, if we go into 2020 and we want to, we want to discover and get a hold of God's best, we're going to have to wrestle with God. You know, it's not, it's not like this, it's not like this, it's, you know, you're just going to cruise into 2020 and everything's going to be good. It's not like, you know, just because you're God's son, which you are, all things are available to you, but all things are yours. And sometimes you have to wrestle with God so that you can be changed, no matter whether it causes you to limp or not. Paul had a limp. It was just with his eyes. I mean, Paul had an encounter with God, and, and he had to deal with that all of his life. But the point is, no matter how God has to get your attention, are you going to walk with God? And in this wrestling and in this determination that Jacob had to get God his prize, God changes his name to Israel, which means prince of God. He went from the supplanter to the prince of God. In one encounter of wrestling and saying, God, I'm not willing to let go of you until I receive what you have for me. I'm not willing to, to turn it loose. He, he was doing what it took, no matter how hard, no matter what it cost him in the physical, he was going to get his prize. There was a great determination. You know, I see that in every, every area of life. Every, you know, people don't get wealthy usually, you know, if they're, if they're self-made people because of a lack of determination. What you see in people when they get vision or they have, uh, have vision from God, they, they, are, they are passionate and they, they, they pursue, they, they move into that, and you, you can't get their mind off of it. And what happens is they become successful. And, and generally, generally when it has something to do like the printing press or some, you know, the, 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 some other things that were created by vision that God gave, People claim that God gave them. They're motivated by that, but they're also motivated by, by the thing that God's revealing to them. They, they're determined. And so let me just look at some things that I think that we can carry over. When you see somebody who is, who is successful as a Christian, I think they've got some common attributes. 
the first thing about them is they, they believe God's promises are for them. They just, they just believe that God has a blessing for them. They believe it with all their heart. They're not woe is me. They're not Elijah sitting under the tree. When Elijah was under the tree, he got asked the question, what you doing under the tree? Get up and go take care of business. Right? You know, there, 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 there are people, there are Christians all over who sit under the tree waiting on God to bless them. Not doing the thing that actually is going to bring the blessing, which would be to grab a hold of God, to wrestle with God until he says yes. And so we have to believe that God's promises are for us. God wants to move in us. He wants to take us from prison to promise. In Hebrews chapter 10, it, it talks about Jesus being our ransom. If you get time this afternoon, go read Hebrews 10. I encourage you to read Hebrews 10 because what it, what it says is you'll be so encouraged. What it says is, you know, they used to take bulls and goats and they used to sacrifice them on a continuous basis. The priest just continually sacrificed bulls and goats. And in Hebrews chapter 10, it says bulls and goats never had the ability to forgive sin. That's what Hebrews 10 says. It was just a foreshadowing. It was just a look to the one who actually could, could break the power of sin and death. And that was Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross broke the power of sin and death. Jesus said about himself, he says, The Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, to proclaim freedom to the captives. What are you, what, what's captive? Those that are captive to sin. Those that are captive to the, to the fruit of sin. Those who have a genetic disposition to sin, just like Jacob. You're captive to that pre, uh, predisposition. Your genetic Makeup most likely has this bent toward that disposition. We're, we're proving it over and over and over again. Who, who came to set you free? Jesus. Jesus. We, we've proven it scientifically that we can change the biochemical makeup of the body by believing in the Word of God. They've proven that over and over and over again. And so you, you can break the power no matter how strong, how, how ingrained, how many generations it's been in your family, God wants to set you free. He wants to set us all free. He, he, he came so that, that, that people that were blind that he would give recovery of sight to the blind, and that's physical and spiritual, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I was reading in Acts as the church is born, and looking at what Luke wrote in Acts, he says, 
He says, so repent, Acts 3, uh, 19. So repent, that means to change your mind and your purpose. Turn around and return to God. That your sins may be erased or blotted out, wiped clean. That times of refreshing, of recovery from the effects of the heat of, of, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. There's this, there's this reviving that God wants to bring in those places that sin has affected in your life. He wants to change your name. In heaven, it says that you're going to get a new name. You're going to know, you're going to know what, what's your name in heaven? What, what is it? You know? What, what's God call you? Who are you? I know what your mama named you. What's God name you? Well, there's a lot of things that we could say, but I know this. It is a healed, recovered, delivered, free name that marks who you became, not who you were. It's not your identity as you were when you didn't know God. It's your identity after you've known the Lord. He, he gives you a new name, just like he does Jacob. And so we believe that Jesus paid our ransom. We believe that it was enough, and we believe that God's promises are for us. And then, and then so what, what we have to do is, is we have to recognize that we've got to wrestle with God to get everything out of life that he wants us to get. See, we want it to be easy. It's free, but it's not easy. It's free. Salvation's free. And you receive God. But to follow him, it's not easy. It's not a burden to do his word. It's just not easy because you're, you don't have a natural inclination for it. You have to wrestle with God. You have to get his character. You have to allow him to do what needs to be done in your life so he can bless you. You, have to, you might have circumstances in your life that you're going through right now that God's going to say, that's your hip. That's your hip. Well, you say, wait a minute now. Yeah. This, this circumstance that you're in, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relationship-wise. I don't know what it might be, but you might always limp until glory. Being reminded of the day that you wrestled with God and he blessed you. And he changed your name. Anybody got things they remember about that? If anybody's ever been divorced, which there's 50% of us in the room that's been divorced. <laughs> that's a limp. You, you, you have not most likely ever gotten over those, that, that, that pain that comes with that. Maybe some of you have lost a child. child is never supposed to go before the parent. It's always going to be a limp. Maybe, maybe you were in relationship with your parents and they died before you could reconcile. I see people all the time. That's difficult. Maybe you're a child of divorce. And you've never felt loved or you've never felt like life dealt you a fair set of cards. Because you never had two parents living in the same house that loved. Right? 
And so you feel wounded. <laughs> You've got a limp. But God wants to bless you in those places. You're not, you're not relegated to staying in that prison. He came to set you free. It's not like it's not there, but it is, it is healed. It's not like you don't have a little scar there. It's just not infected. And God says, you remember, I touched you there. I touched you there. You remember, I touched you there. You remember, we thought, how is God ever going to bring good out of this? And I see, Lord, where you delivered me. Are you going to remember? Absolutely. I think we need to remember. We just don't need to be imprisoned. It's a major difference between remembering where you've been delivered from and being imprisoned by the emotional prison that it puts you in. God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Matthew Henry says this, self must be denied. I love that we sang I surrender all. Self must be denied. The bent, the frame, and the temper of the mind must be altered. We got that up. Oh, that's great. Read this with me. Self must be denied. The bent, the frame, and the temper of the mind must be altered. In your life, in my life, it's got to be altered. There's no exception. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is absolutely no exception. There's no exception. We are continually being altered into the nature of Jesus Christ. It's this, it's this constance being altered. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to give you revelation of where you're falling short of the promises of God and set you free. If you don't get revelation of where you need to be set free from, you won't be set free. You've got to come to God and you've got to repent. You've got to deny the bend and the frame and the temper of the mind that keeps you in prison. And you've got to begin to adapt the promises of God. Those who will have an interest in the great salvation will have it upon any terms and not think them hard, nor quit their hold without a blessing. That's Matthew Henry. That's a long time ago this guy wrote this thing. There, there's, this, there's, this, there's this attack of God that says, I'm going to hang on to you. I'm going to hang on to your word. I'm going to hang on to your promises. And right now, people, if you don't know the word of God, there are people trying to twist it all over the place and trying to discredit it like never before. God wants to change your name. He wants you to receive the blessing, but he wants you to fight. Jacob wrestled with God, and, and people who, who understand and are successful in this Christian walk understand that they've got to wrestle with God, that they've got to wrestle with the Word, that they've got to surrender and alter their way of thinking. And that is the most difficult thing any of us ever tries to do. 
I mean, we like ourselves. We, we make excuses of why we think the way we do, even if it's dysfunctional. We, we, we come up with four reasons why our thinking's okay. And some of it is even blamed on generations that came before us. Well, I'm this way. I, you know, my mama was this way. My daddy was this way. They were all dysfunctional. And so, I guess I am too. Well, if they hadn't have done this to me, then I wouldn't have done what I did. You know, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have done this or that or the other. We make excuses, and and it's hard to to change. But Matthew 6.33 reminds us that we first have to seek the kingdom of God and His way. That's that change of mind. That's that mindset change. And all these things will be added unto you. It's only added unto you when you change your mind. When you change your thinking. When you adopt God's policy. When you wrestle with God and say, God, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I know I shouldn't be impatient. And I know that's a fruit of your spirit. I know, God, that anger can cause me to sin. And I'm sinning in my anger, God. And I shouldn't be like that. But that's just the way I am, God. And I I need you, Lord. I'm not letting go of you, God, until you set me free. I'm wrestling with you, God, until you set me free. Some of you handle money horrifically and you won't stop the credit card debt is ridiculous you buy cars when you shouldn't buy cars you overextend it on your house you spend money like crazy eating out you do all kinds of crazy things and you make excuses for your dysfunction somebody say amen Preach it, preacher. But unless we change our mindset, unless we seek first righteousness, then it's not going to be added. It's added because of wrestling, either seeking. So we we know that, that people that are successful on how to fight understand that that they can fight this fight, but they're not fighting alone. They're in partnership with God. And in that partnership with God, there's absolutely no settling on anything outside of the way God does things. You see, what we do is we settle. Yeah, I know God says that, but. I know God says that, but. I know, I know the Bible might say that, but. But the interesting thing is, oftentimes, you know, people have this strong dogmatic opinion, and, and, and they'll come, and they'll say something, and they'll ask for advice, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, might give them a biblical reference, and, and they'll say, no, I don't, da, 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 and they'll stand on their dogmatic ideology, and I'll say, where is that in Scripture? And they'll say, I don't know. It's got to be there somewhere. It's got to be there somewhere. You can't settle on anything outside of righteousness 
and expect kingdom. You can't sow worldliness and reap kingdom. You sow worldliness, you reap worldliness. And so, and so, and so as we go into the new year, we've got to, we've got to recognize where we're at. That, that's the thing. That this is a fight. This is a partnership with God. There's no settling on this deal. And I've got to have sober judgment of, of where I did. Now, this is no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you. He's not wanting to condemn you. He wants to give you vision. He came to set you free, not to imprison you, especially with guilt, right? He, he, came, to, he came to set you free. So, so you've got to begin to have sober judgment of what you're doing that's actually bringing victory and what you're doing that's not, that's not reaping what it ought to. And then you've got to be willing to reschedule some stuff. And we're going to go into that in a minute. And I don't want to get too far out in front of myself because I want to get this passage of Scripture, which might be my very favorite. It's in Proverbs 29, 18. I have three different translations just to get you to understand, you and I, to begin this year with this concept in mind. Proverbs 29, 18 from the New Living Translation, it says this, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. They run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Let's look at it in a different translation. You got that? Yeah, New King James. Where there is no revelation, say that with me, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. When you hadn't got revelation of this is righteous, you do anything you want. You know, all over Scripture it says, it says they, they did what was right in their own eyes. And Jesus always says, Lord, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. There's this revelation that has to come or, or, or we cast off restraint. Look at the ESV. This is my favorite. Where there is no, say this with me, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. If you don't have a prophetic vision for your life, listen, your prophetic vision ain't my prophetic vision. God's got something specifically for you. you got to believe that. He's got promises for you. He's got blessings for you in 2020. He really does. He's got more exceedingly abundantly than you can imagine or think. Even when hellish forces mess you up or somehow sin of somebody else or your sin, even if it gets in the way, God wants to bring you through with good. Through the end of the year, he's got blessing as you wrestle with him. You might limp, but he's going to change your name. He's going to take you from a deceiver to a prince or princess. He, he's got this plan. And so if I look at this and I understand that, I have to, have to go about the first year knowing that if I don't have God's prophetic vision for my life, then it's going to be chaotic in 2020. It's going to be chaotic. All hell could break loose. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't take the effort to get the vision of God for my life in 2020. And so if I look at seven things that God, I think, 
teaches us in Scripture that's important so that we can succeed in 2020, the first thing I need to do is I need to believe that I'm in partnership with God and I'm not fighting this fight by myself because it says it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, who's going to carry out the word of God, which is the prophetic vision for you. The first thing I've got to know outside of that is to know your enemy. You know, I, I watched a, a lot of football yesterday. And every offensive coordinator knew their enemy. Every defensive coordinator knew their enemy. Every corporation knows their enemy. Every, every drug knows its enemy. He goes, you know, penicillin knows what to, to go after, and, 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 and it, it is designed to do that. In the Christian life, the enemy is not creative at all. We got to understand that Satan's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere all the time, and so you really need to come to the conclusion that he's probably not at, he's not probably messing with you, because you probably aren't important enough for Satan to be messing with. But he has an angelic host who is relegated to carry out his tasks that are probably assigned to you. And they aren't creative either. And they aren't omnipresent either. And there's a, and the Bible describes an angelic host that is ready to fight for you if you'll align yourself with heaven. But, but he, he's not creative. He, you know, the things that he uses, let me give it to you. He, doubt. Unbelief. Fear, insecurity. He's a liar. He just lies to you. He tries to make you feel like you're not worth anything. When Jesus says you're worth it all. He, he, he tries to change your mindset. That's why scripture tells us that the battle is in the mind. You are transformed by the renewing of how you think about God. And about kingdom stuff. And, and whether you're going to align yourself with it wholeheartedly. You're not going to settle or compromise the gospel. And so first we got to know who the enemy is. We've got to know he's not creative. He, he's going he's to use doubt, fear, insecurity, and lies. He's going to use doubt, fear, insecurity, and lies. He's going to use doubt, fear, insecurity, and lies. That's what he's going to do all the time. So if you have doubt, insecurity, and lies that don't align with heaven or the Bible, you know that's not God. And you need to take that thought captive and bring it to the Word of God. So you've got to know the rules of engagement. Now here are the rules of engagement that you really need to know. i got four quick ones. Jesus defeated sin and death once and for all. It was enough. Period. End of story. He defeated it. It has no power over you. And there is no power that is greater than the grace of God that was brought about by the cross. These are rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. There's nothing stronger than the grace God has toward you. Nothing. Rules of engagement. 
You can be confident. Why? Because you know what Jesus did. I'm confident in what Jesus did is, is enough. I'm not buying into this lie. I'm not buying into this insecurity, this fear, these lies, this doubt. Faith, truth, and perseverance will defeat the enemy. It always will. Say that with me. Faith, truth, and perseverance will defeat the enemy. End of story. Rules of engagement. How do you know you win? Well, I have faith. I have perseverance. I'm standing on righteousness. I'm standing on truth. God's word will do what it was sent to do. His word is truth, and it'll accomplish everything it was sent to do. So I've got to know the enemy. I've got to know the rules of engagement. I've got to get a clear vision from God. If you do the first two and don't have three, you're going to have chaos. You've got to have clear vision. You need to, in these next weeks, in, on, on your knees before God, in a chair, in your place where you get God, you need to begin writing down the things you feel like the Lord's called you to do this year. You need to begin to pray and ask the Lord. And, and don't think your list is complete. He, he, February the 23rd, he may give you something else. You know, always keep your list open. But you need to begin to think, God, I need vision. I need fresh vision from you today. I know your mercies are new every morning. I need fresh vision from you today, God. I need your vision for my life. I need to know the purpose that you have for me 2020, and I need it for today. And I need to get that clear vision. I've, I've got to acknowledge the places that I'm still in prison. I've got to acknowledge the, my, the way I think that doesn't sound like Bible. I've got to, I've got to get, the, get those places that I don't respond right. You know, we're not, we're not accountable for what somebody else does to us. We're accountable how we respond to what they do to us. And what, what aren't you responding well to? What would you say about yourself that, 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 you know, I respond and that probably doesn't look like Jesus? Now, the question is, are you going to continue to do that in 2020? Are you going to continue to stay in prison? Are you actually going to get set free? Are you going to allow God to set you free in those areas of thinking and doing? Are you going to subject yourself to God in those things? And, and I encourage you today that you've got to acknowledge the places that you know that you've been imprisoned with the way you think, and then you've got to align yourself with God's Word and say, God, I'm going to wrestle with you until I receive your blessing. And what your blessing is, I begin to operate in the ways of God. And then... You've got to formulate a plan of attack. You've got to formulate a plan of attack. I just, I just read a survey, and I can't remember who, who it was by, by a Christian organization that, you know, does survey. Sorry. <laughs> just want to make sure you know I didn't do the survey. But, but I, I, I like what it says, and I kind of I, I kind of garnish it, and, and, and I, can see it, I can see its validity. They asked the question, how often during the week do you read the Bible? 
and people answered one, you know, usually one day or two days or three days or four days. And then they ask another set of questions that says, how, how well do you, do you respond to what the Bible says? And they, and they asked a series of questions on that. And the, and the result is what I really want to communicate to you. The result was those who actually were able to do what the Bible said on a high level read the Word of God four days a week. The reason I'm telling you that, because if you really want to be successful in 2020, you have to do, you have to be willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And it's difficult. How many would say reading the Bible four days a week and actually give it time? I'm not talking about taking some, taking some book and, you know, that somebody else wrote and using a devotion. I'm not talking about getting your, you know, you, you version verse of the day, tick, and you take eight seconds to read it. That doesn't count. Even though it does put something in you. I'm talking about where you're sitting down with God and you're saying, God, without prophetic vision, I'm going to be in chaos. Four, four times a week. Everybody say four. Okay, there's your challenge right there, right? You've got to formulate a plan of attack. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to be precise with that formula of a plan of attack. In, in, in the insurance business, which I was, that's what I was in. I was in, well, it was more than that. It was, you know, it was investments. It was business, profit sharing plans, pension plans, the whole, whole gamut. And I had agents under, underneath me. Uh, all over the state of North Carolina. That's what I did for a living at a very young age, which was ridiculous they ever put me in that, in that position. But in that age, in that time, uh, the most difficult thing to do was to pick up the phone and call people that you didn't know. How many, how many love doing cold calls? Anybody ever done them? Cold calling, if you like it, you're sick. We just go, go ahead, go, go ahead and say. <laughs> I used to try to call a hundred, dial the phone a hundred times between seven and nine. Dial the phone a hundred times between seven o'clock and nine o'clock in the morning because I knew if I called businesses between seven and nine, the owner was going to answer because the administrator wasn't in. Now, if I called, if I'd never put the phone down, I only got call reluctance once. I'm trying to give you some just, just practical stuff. I only had to deal with my call reluctance one time because I never put the phone down for two hours. You just dial the next number. Now, this was when phones had a cord, and they were tied to the wall. But I would hold it under my ear, and I would, I would dial the next number, dial the next number, dial the next number. Boom, 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 boom. I hated it. But I had to do it to be successful. It got me promoted at 26. It was the thing that nobody else wanted to do. I don't know anything in life, whether it's athletics, I don't know, I don't care whether it's real estate, I don't, I don't care whether you're an engineer, whether you're an accountant, 
you're going to have to do things you don't like to do to be successful. And you're going to have to do them well. And, and the best you can do them, the most excellence you can do them with in those periods of time is going to bring about your success. There's a pursuit. There's a wrestling with God that says, God, I'm wrestling with the idea that I don't look much like you. I'm wrestling with these things, God, and I know you don't condemn me. What I know you want to do is actually set me free. You didn't come to condemn me. You came to free me. And God, I want to wrestle with you until I'm free. And God, God's going to do that with a lot of you this year. And no matter whether you are Elijah, no matter that you've been slaying the prophets of Baal, you've been slaying demons, you've been doing all kind of great Christian work over the last year, doesn't matter whether you've been there or not. Because you can find yourself underneath the tree in discouragement if you don't have a fresh vision from God. He's got more for you to do this year. And some of you are going to, you're going to have, your testimonies, we're going to go, wow. Your testimony is going to be, wow, Tony. It's going to be, wow, did you see what God did there? Did you see what God did there? And there's going to be others who go, oh, my God, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? And the only difference between those two people are the ones who are willing to do what's hard. They're willing to wrestle with God until they receive the promise. Those are the ones that we're going to see victory in. And then we'll see people leave. Hurt, broken, and no blessing. And I'm just telling you right now, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I want a fresh vision from God. I want to be willing to do the things that are going to, that He asks me to. He says, He says, Get in my word daily. Meditate it on it all day long, all night. Be careful to do everything it says. And you, you will make your way prosperous. Not him. He does it because his word is true. And his word does what it was sent to do. And so... We got to execute that plan. We got to write that plan down. We got to execute that plan. And we got to watch God's great grace abound. Because in the end, the battle's still the Lord's. He's going to do all kinds of things. He says, You do this, and I'll do, I'll bless. You do this, and I'll bless. You do this, and I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. I came to prosper you, not to harm you. I came to give you a hope and a future. Jesus says this. This is about the love of God and how, how tight we are with the Lord. He says, he says, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. There's going to be people like that. He's talking to people, y'all. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, he is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Paul writes in 838, uh, Romans 838 and 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, will ever, be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps God's word. That's where I'm at. I hope you're with me. I can't go write my plan down for you. I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to, to be able to do it for you. But just not the way it works. I can only do it for me. You know, I can't even do it for Liz. I can't do it for my son. I can't do it for my daughter-in-law. I can't do it for my daughter. I can't do it for my grandchildren. I can't do it for anybody but me. That's what it means to be in personal relationship with Jesus. You have to get a prophetic vision from God. What is it? Are you going to take the time to actually get it? Are you going to write it down? Are you going to be disciplined? Are you going to be active in observing where kingdom isn't flowing in your life, where you don't represent God well and allow him to bring kingdom to you. Even in the places that are wounded, God says, I want to bless in those places. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, we don't put new wine into old wineskins. And, and when, you took the, when you took the land of promise, God, you never conquered any city the same way twice. When you gave Elijah instructions, never the same way. David instruction, never the same way. Jesus instruction, never the same way. So, Father, in a, in a confused, chaotic world, Bring stability by your word. Bring stability by fresh vision, a prophetic vision, God, as I put forth the effort to do the things that most people aren't willing to do so that I can actually witness the grace of God abound. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Hallelujah.